Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 145. As always, I'm joined by Dom. Ah, praise the sun. Praise the sun. No Jordan this week, so it's a two-man show, a fireside groove. I don't remember the last fireside groove me and you did. Usually, most of the time when it's a fireside groove, it's me and Jordan. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know, it's been a while. Anyways, let's hop into what we've been playing. Um, for me, I uh, didn't play a whole lot, uh, but I did... Had I already talked about finishing Katana Zero? I did, right? I, fi- I think I said I talked about that last week. I had finished it for a couple of weeks. I just don't ever remember mentioning it. Um, been playing some Magic the Gathering Arena. The new expansion came out. Been dabbling away with that, having a blast. Um, the crazy thing with that game, and I don't think I ever mentioned on the podcast, Dom, is... You, I've explained Magic the Gathering, I think you're familiar with it, but in the digital uh, card game, kind of like with Hearthstone, you can get card backs for your decks, right? And they usually have like cool designs or whatever. They didn't have those in Magic the Gathering Arena at the beginning, and they recently introduced them. Long story short, you know, there's colors in Magic. It's all about the colors, the fire, water, grass, all that. There's, when you combine them, there's these guilds that they represent. So like red, green is like a very aggressive deck. You have a lot of fire and forest, so it's like a lot of big creatures that do a lot of damage, right? They have themes to the color combinations, and they have names too. Don't need to get into it. Anyways, they release card backs for each of those color combinations that are called guilds. So like if you're really into playing blue-white decks, you can get like blue-white card backs. Um, and there's a package you can get. You can't buy it with in-game currency. You have to buy it with real money. It's not too expensive. But you get the card backs. You get like some special cards that fit that. So like if you're into blue-white, you'll get like some really awesome blue-white cards uh, and a couple of other perks. So it's like a package for you if you really love that color combination. It's pretty cool. I wish it was available through in-game currency, but, you know, it's a free-to-play game. They have to have some hooks in there that have you paying real money so they can make money, and those are, like, the real good hook, right? It's always the cosmetic stuff. Um, the cards you get in those packages, you can completely craft those yourself, so they're not, like, behind a paywall or anything. They're just, like, an added bonus to, like, on top of the card backs, you get those, too. Um, but, yeah, it's just a really cool bonus to the game. Like I said, I wish they were available through in-game currency, but they're not. Um, the little bit of time I had with Sekiro, um, I'm in Fountainhead Palace. You, I'm assuming you've already beaten the game, right? Actually, technically no. But okay. I, I mean, I, I've done all the work except fight the very final boss to beat the game. And so now I'm actually just spending a bunch of time farming the skill points to get that trophy. But yeah, I've played yeah. it to the end not beating it quite yet. so yeah I'm, i'll just tell you where i am so that way when you talk about whatever you've been playing we don't have to we can avoid spoilers or whatever um so i'm currently at you know when you get into fountainhead palace you fight the corrupted monk and then you go down to the bottom area where um there's like the big like lake with the the like destroyed buildings yep in that big lake area I'm in the second section of that. So there's like the first section where you first find out about the weird uh, old. They, they remind me of Seat the Scaleless a little bit. They kind yeah. Of the same design. Yep. I had the same uh, thought. Yeah. So there's that first area where you first are introduced to them. And then you get to the ending part where there's all of the electric dogs. And then once you get past them, there's the first checkpoint in that area. Well, I guess the second checkpoint. Because the, there's the checkpoint after the straw dude. There's the checkpoint right after the Corrupted Monk across the bridge, which is a very weird checkpoint. And then there's the third one of, uh, like, when you first enter the big connection of buildings. Um, that's where I'm currently at. So, 
yeah, enjoying it. I just didn't have, have didn't have a lot of time with it this week. I was able to get there. A um, couple of things I want to talk about with you in terms of side character quest lines. Uh, did you do the uh, Black Hat quest line? Black Hat's a little yeah. troll merchant guy. Yeah, so he. So you kind of have to, I feel like, because you need that. Maybe you don't have to. I just you need that puppeteer skill, right? Um, the puppeteer ninjutsu. Maybe you don't need it, but yeah, I did that. So I yeah, because you you get to guy. the point where he needs the kite raised up. Obviously, mm-hmm. you use the puppeteer ninjutsu. You get on the you have the guy do the kite. You jump across, and that's how you eventually kill one of the two snakes. There's a second snake kill, right? I haven't done yet, so. Um, but that's how you get the one that's wrapped around the pole or whatever, um, and then. He, after, because I looked this up, so I already know that, like, one of the bosses I'm eventually going to face is the Divine Dragon or whatever. I didn't look up the boss intentionally. I was looking at Black Hat's quest line. And they're like, you'll find him after you, he'll pop up uh, where he was before, after you um, defeat the Divine Dragon. That's all I read. So all I literally know is that I'm going to be fighting the Divine Dragon. And then I'll end up finding him where he once was at that market area, not down near a tree or whatever. Okay. Um Gotcha. I did not do that. I don't. <laughs> I don't yeah. know the end of it then. So I guess I've yeah. not finished that part. Because uh, I wasn't sure if because when you talk to him after you do the kite thing, he's like, "Well, I'm gonna you you find him right before you kill the snake, right?" And he's like, "At his yeah. son's grave or whatever." Yep. And it was like, "Oh, it didn't seem like this was the end of his quest. Where does he end up?" So I read it and I accidentally spoiled myself for the divine dragon. Still don't know what the boss looks like. I I've steered clear of spoilers. I just know that I'm gonna be fighting that boss, obviously. Um, the other thing, the other revelation I found, and I'm assuming you found it too. So I'm gonna be very vague, and then you can tell and clarify if you know what I'm talking about. Dad, did you have you seen the revelation of who Tengu is? Maybe so maybe Tango 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 is a tall guy with a mask that names you Sekiro. Right, right. Yeah. And he uh he has you go and kill the rats or whatever, right? Um Yeah. And then um shoot, what does he do after that? I don't know. I don't remember. He it so he either stays there it depends on how because the game's like non linear. So it's like depends on when you do stuff. So for me he was always in that building until he disappears. For other people, depending on when you do the sunken valley, he's there and then he goes to, you know, right before you enter the sunken valley, uh there's that those like two huts where like you jump across the ravine to get that item and you jump back and there's like a rat dead in there. He'll pop up there. Um it's like right before you enter the sunken valley. Um, it's like, you know, I might've missed him there. So, you know, uh, at Ashina castle, when you leave Kuro's room and you meet Ishin and then you go down and there's the shortcut down there where you, there's like a big lake and underneath there's a headless in the lake. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you know how you go through that gate and you go down and there's like a pathway with a bunch of monkeys and at the end there's a little hut. He can pop up there depending on how, when you do quests. Um, oh, oh, yes, because he uh, – I don't, I, I don't know if I should say it, but he uh, – you're right, you're right. You uh, get something from him if yes. you've not gotten that yet. Do you, do, you know, do you know who he is? No. Okay, so I know who he is, and it's kind of obvious. Next time you run into him or if you can, fast travel to wherever he is and look at him. Do a close I, look of him. I might have uh, I might be beyond that possibility 
don't want to say too much more. <laughs> yeah, so you don't know who he is at all? No, I don't think so, no. So explain to me why you think you're beyond that possibility. If it's very spoiler for me, then don't say it, but... Yeah. Uh, does that things do with, happen there, man. <laughs> does that have to do with Tengu? Yeah. So, I don't... I don't want to spoil it for you if you don't know, but if so, I'm assuming you mean you you think uh, Tengu dies, right? I it, I couldn't quite tell. I think so. When you go after you finish and you beat the Divine Dragon, and obviously you already know that you're gonna have to do that at some point. But yeah, after you do that, everything changes in uh, like Ashina Castle and the outskirts. Like there's just big changes to those levels. Yeah, that's all I'll say. Right. Um, so at that point, when you go so back to that shrine... So it's technically, sorry to interrupt you, it's technically a third change, because there's like, your initial right. run through Ashina Castle, then all of the purple rats, so this is a mm-hmm. third change. Yep, it's yet another change, and some cool. more things are going on. So once you go back to that shrine you're talking about, right before uh, Sunken Valley, um, you get there, and that dude is dead, and there's another guy, another one of those like lone sword, vile hand, whatever they're called, the purple you know enemies, and he's a mini-boss, and you fight him. Um so that's that's what happens there. So here here's the thing. <laughs> I haven't done Divine Dragon. I already went back to that shrine place and I killed the purple dude. So I don't know if my quest line is different because <laughs> Tengu wasn't there dead. So because I think since I fought that boss before defeating the Divine Dragon, I wonder if it's different then. Yeah, I might have to I'm going to have to go look up this quest line. Now I'm like way too curious and maybe Maybe it was flipped, and maybe like he was the one that killed some other guy. Um, but they both looked like purple. I, I'm, I don't Tengu know. isn't in a purple suit. Tengu has a white mask, and it's like orange and green. He's very tall. Okay. As we're, we're recording the show right now, real live, can you Google him to look at him? Yeah. Just go up Tengu, T-E-N-G-U, so you know what he looks like. Because I know... Um, because there is a dead body where that purple ninja is, and he says, I killed this guy or whatever. It's not Tengu's body. Okay, okay, that's... I think that's what I'm thinking of then. Yeah, okay, he's got, like, this orange mask on and that. Yeah, so he gives you uh, something. Did you get anything from him in that shrine? He gives you, a like, a technique thing, right? Like, a, not ninjutsu, but, like, a... A whole Doesn't skill he give you tree? like a skill tree? Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's yeah. That's what I got from him. So maybe he leaves that place, and then there's some other dead people there that uh, he he of. gives you that after you kill the trolls, the little like hat dudes. Um, oh, there's outside another one. of the Shina uh, Castle. Yeah. So yeah, once you get like uh, if you once you get enough points for like Shadow Rush or any of the other like final skills, he gives you a brand new uh, tree entirely after that. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's not really a spoiler. Don't worry yeah. about that. You already um, got there, yeah. So, I don't want to spoil it, but just since he's not technically dead, take a look at him closer whenever you get a chance if you do see him. Um, maybe he's not there anymore, so I don't know if you'll get a chance to see him at all again. I don't want to spoil it for you is the thing. I could tell you who he is, but yeah, I don't want to spoil it. it for you. Just say he's, it. He's Ishin. Really? Yeah. And there's a tell because uh, one of the times towards the end when you're talking to him, he coughs. And when you go to talk to Ishin, yeah. he's coughing. You end up finding out because one of the big questions is how does 
Ishin calls you Sekiro. Ishin would have no way to know that your name is Sekiro. Yeah, I didn't think of that. And Tengu is the one who names you Sekiro when you run into him the first time. Interesting. Um, so it's him. Or at least that's my assumption. I haven't actually Googled it to find out. But even his hair is the same, like the little like top bun thingy. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, it's just that. that when you when you run into Tengu, he's standing and he's like very tall, right? And like intimidating. And when you run into Ishin, he's like an old man and he's crouching down and he's, he seems smaller than he is. Well, as I so Googled like, him here... Uh, when you first run into him, when he asks you to kill the rats, like he's wearing a mask, like a wooden mask. Yeah. So that would explain why they have him wearing a mask. Exactly. He doesn't want you to know who he is, apparently. We should stop talking about it because uh, I think I. <laughs> there's more yeah. here. Yeah. Um, those are the two things I want to talk about Tengu and Black Hat. Um, I have a glitch, I think, with one of the quest lines. So you know the big guy kind of near the kite that asks you to give him the pinwheel and then he asks you to deliver him from evil or whatever yep get, like kill him <laughs> yeah you're supposed to use divine whatever it is on him mm-hmm. right and it triggers for him to like leave somewhere else it doesn't work for me oh really yeah i've tried it i've even looked at videos of people doing it i do the same exact thing it's not working so i don't know if my thing's bugged or mm-hmm. what yeah. it is but yeah it must be uh there's been a few patches so yeah I mean he's not a character I really care about and I don't know if I'm going for like the completion yet or not so it's like I'm not yeah super interested or care about him necessarily um yeah I'm enjoying my time with it gonna try to beat it this week uh especially with like Rage 2 coming out if Rage 2 gets like good reviews I'm getting it if it's like not if it's like Days Gone which isn't bad right but it's not like necessarily like great it's like yeah it's kinda if Rage 2 comes out and it's getting, like, Days Gone reception, I probably won't pick it up at launch. But if it's anything more than that, then I probably will. We'll see. Who knows? I still need to get to, like, Gears 4 before Gears 5 comes out this year. There's a lot of stuff. Oh, man. You haven't played 4? I haven't gotten around to it, no. And it's, it's um, good. I really liked it. Uh, I know. I know I'm going to enjoy it, just I haven't gotten around to it. Um, that's pretty much it for me. Uh, did I watch anything of note? Uh... No, I've started reading a Red Wall though. I don't know if I'd already talked about that. Book's really cool. It's dark. Um, it, that book split up weird because. So have you you've, have you even tried reading any of the Game of Thrones novels, Dom? No, I plan to, but wanted to wait so until no. they're done. Yeah, same. But I was like, I was flipping through because I was interested with the first book, looking at it. And George R. R. Martin labels his chapters by character. So there's like Arya chapter one, John chapter one. And it helps him deliver the narrative through their eyes, right? It's a really cool structure for a book. I think that's why they're so good is because he's, he does it in such a unique way. Redwall kind of does the same thing, except they don't label the chapters that way. But, like, one chapter will be from uh, Matthias, the main character's perspective in the Abbey. And then it'll cut to the main villain in the next chapter. And then the next chapter will be a different character in the Abbey, but it's not Matthias. It's a really cool storytelling uh, structure, I guess you would say. Um, and the way the book is specifically structured is it's three books in one. So there's like inside it, it'll be like, oh, book one is telling you the story of Matthias. Then book two is like the battle, right? And then book three is like the aftermath. So it's like a book, books inside of a book. So I'm currently in the second book, which is like when the battle's about to start and stuff like that. So really enjoying that. Uh, did I play anything else? No, just Magic the Gathering and that. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. What about you? 
So we talked about Sekiro. I've still been playing a lot of that. Um, like I said, I'm at like the end, and I'm excited. Um, it brings up the interesting topic. I think I mentioned it last week, so I'm doing that thing where like you back up a save file and then uh, play through one ending, go back, reload your save, and play through the rest of the endings because I don't want to play through the game four times um, just to get each of the endings. Um, when they're they're more or less spoiled for you as you... Uh, I don't know if you got to this point yet, but they kind of present themselves, um, you know, the different possibilities for how you can finish things yeah. off. Yeah, um, the branching paths, essentially. Yeah, and so, like, as you're going down them, like, you know what you're trying to do, and so it's presumably that's the outcome of each one. So it's not like, you know, some revelation at the end when you do it, necessarily. That I, Unless there's more to it, I don't know. But I'll see. So, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, because that's something, like, you know, like uh, like Bethesda games or Bethesda Studios games, like that's built in, right? In Skyrim, you could just back up as many saves as you want, and then uh, you know redo a quest how you you know in a different way, kind of stuff. So it's just interesting. And luckily on PlayStation and Xbox, and uh, so one way or another on PC, you can kind of manipulate that manually as much as you want and back up saves. So I, I don't know. I'm glad that's a possibility. I guess so I can see all these endings and get all those trophies because Lord knows I'm addicted. But um, yeah, so I'm excited to be done with 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 Secure and see all those endings. Otherwise, I was telling you I watched Winter Soldier. It was a really cool movie. Yeah, I got too much to so add good. on that. It's, it's, yeah. it's older, obviously, but um, obviously watched Game of Thrones. Been enjoying this last season quite a bit. Um, we could go on that, that for days if we wanted to, but um, otherwise. The last thing I'll add is I watched the uh, the new Netflix special for uh, on Ted Bundy. Yeah, Ted Bundy. The special or the movie? I guess it's a movie. I don't know. The, it with is. Zac Efron? Yeah, the Zac Efron. Yeah, it's one. a movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing on Netflix. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, um, that was really good. It was super, super good. Very entertaining. Not at all what you think it might be unless you've read a lot about it but it's a very interesting take on that person i really liked it i could see why people would be upset about it though yeah it's the issues people have with it are probably the things that i would be most interested in watching a ted bundy movie for so for me it's not like i'm not interested in watching it because like it doesn't seem to nail the things I would be interested in watching the movie for, right? Not that I don't think it's a good movie or enjoyable, but it kind of like, oh, I'm out on it then because it's not necessarily the type of movie I want to watch, you know? But I understand people's criticism. It's, uh, when you're telling a story about that type of person, <laughs> it's like, do you go for the more entertainment route? Do you go for the more, like, I wouldn't even say, like, specific. It's more, like, authentic, right? There's a, and it's there's a, super it's super authentic. So one thing they do, um, and I can't spoil it because what I'm saying literally is authentic, so it's yeah. <laughs> spoiler has been around for decades. But one thing they do is, you know, during the credits they start playing, you know, actual footage, uh, not of anything, you know, like from like the court case and uh, you know, some other things. And uh they they did a lot of scenes like word for word, um how it was in real life, and that's super interesting and uh so it's it's really i don't know it was super good like if you know if you're not like some someone taking a hard stand against it like definitely watch it because it's super fascinating yeah it just like some of the complaints were like uh lily collins character uh that it didn't seem like she was really told in the way that 
uh, represented the real life person that well uh, in terms of like dealing with Ted Bundy. Um, I don't know. It's it's a very interesting case in terms of why people liked it or disliked it. It's very mixed. Um, yeah, it was very interesting hearing about when that movie came out and the critics and even just people watching it, how it was mixed. There's obviously people who took very hard stands, which I'm not a fan of, you know. Uh, but the people who were giving constructive criticism, it was very interesting to read what they had to say in regards to it. But you enjoyed it, so that's good. Yeah, it was it was super entertaining. So that's that's everything of note, I think. So yeah, a lot yeah. of second row, just tons of it. You're not getting Rage Two at launch. Um, so what's like your next thing you're going to be tackling? Do you even know what you're going to be playing next? Yeah, <sighs> well I'll save that for later in the show, Jared. Oh yeah, okay. I forgot what we're playing next. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you want to take a guess at what Jordan's playing? <laughs> He's not here. Um, oh yeah, that's right. That, game. Yeah, that little game he wants to play. It's, it's something. It's gonna be something stupid. It's gonna be like Diablo three or something. Like what the hell are you doing? I don't know. Yeah, it could be. What's the Telltale Borderlands game? I thought that was it. No, Tales from the Borderlands. Tales from the Borderlands. Yeah, because a pre sequel is an actual like Borderlands game, just a pre sequel. So. Yeah, I don't know. We'll find out next week when he joins. Um, trying to think if there's anything I missed by chance. Oh, this is one thing I wanted to tell you about. So I know you're not a huge comics guy. There was a comic this week that I read that was arguably the most heartfelt comic. I'm going to tell you about it because you'll probably never read it. So it's Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number 6 by Tom Taylor. Great writer. Done a lot of good stuff. Um, he did this comic where on the front cover... Dom, it says Spider-Man. Oh, it has Spider-Man. It says introducing Spider-Bite. It's this little tiny Spider-Man, right? Like a like a, a miniature version of Spider-Man. And you're like, oh, they're introducing a new character. Who is it? Is like the kid version of Peter Parker? Is like an altered dim- dimension thing? Is it this like kid that gets powers? Like what is it, right? Because Spider-Bite's a brand new character for this comic. And anytime they introduce a new character, it's not always like a grandiose thing, but a new Spider-Man is like kind of important, right? So the story starts off and you don't really get an explanation as to who Spider-Bite is. And Spider-Man and this other character uh, are going in, um, fighting all of these villains, chasing him down. They end up, it ends up culminating in them finding this room full of like all of Spider-Man's main villains. He's like, what oh, is it? It's a Sinister Six. And they're like, it's a Sinister 60, right? They start fighting him. They start fighting him. It's a typical, you know, Spider-Man comic. He's teaming up with a buddy. Then like halfway through the comic... It starts peeling back the reality of what you're seeing in the comics to like more of like a a stage kind of like Toy Story One, right? Where there's like buildings made out of cardboard and there's like clouds cut out of paper, and it starts re- like revealing the background, like what's going on here, and it eventually gets to the point where you realize that Spider-Man spent the day with the kid who's in a children's hospital, and the kid was dressed up as Spider-Man, and it was them going through the adventure together. So it's uh-huh. kind of like his imagination going through it, and it shows like all the stuff they were doing. Huh. And it was Spider-Man spending the day with this sick kid. It's, like, very heartbreaking and yeah. very sad. Uh, it's great, though. Like, I'm actually kind of tearing up talking about it because it's just uh, such a great comic. No, and that's it's, like, cool. Th- that is, that's not where I thought you were going to go with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, like, gut punches you, man. And the parents are like, thank you for coming and spending a day with him. And then, like, they're finished doing what they're doing. And sorry, the kid, the kid's like, oh, I want to continue playing. And the parents are like, oh, Spider-Man has to go. He has to fight crime and stuff, yada, yada, yada. And the kid's like, no. And he like lashes out, right? 
and the parents are like, I'm sorry for, for him getting so angry, and Spider-Man's like, it's okay, I understand, and he starts to walk out, and he's walking, after he gives, like, you know, talks to the kid, or he starts walking out, the parents are explaining, like, we're so sorry, he just has a tough time going, uh, for, we have a tough time him for him getting rest, because he's afraid that if he goes to sleep, he's not going to wake up again, and that's hey. awful, right, to read, and Spider-Man's like, turns to them, and he's like, does he have, like, a coat or something here, and they're like, yeah, why? And then it cuts to him with the kid in his arms swinging through the city. I was just like, oh, man. Oh, it's like, it's yeah. one of the best comics I've ever read because it starts off as like, oh, this is like hokey, tropey. Like, they're introducing this side character. Who cares? We're not getting a backstory. That's weird. Oh, he runs into all the villains, all these shenanigans, blah, blah, blah. And it's very tropey, but it's tropey for a reason because it's a kid's imagination and a kid directly goes to tropes, right? Especially the sick kid. And it's, like, revealed that he was just spending the day with his kid, man. It is so good. Yeah. Even me telling you it, I really recommend. I could put it in our thing, and you can check it out when you get a chance just reading it. It's it's a really good comic, man. And I know you were surprised. Like, That's not where I expected it was going. I don't think yeah. anybody did when they were picking up this comic, man. It was. That's really good. I mean, that's really clever um, and smart. That's yeah, it, it's good. It's sad, but it's it's really it's really cool. Yeah. Um, that's something I wanted to talk about. I completely forgot about it, and I wanted to mention it because it's like I read comics for entertainment, obviously, and there's good stories, and you know, there's a lot of cool things happening. But like when you pick up a comic, you start reading it, and then you're like, "Oh God," <laughs> you know, and just yeah. like, "Oh, emotional." Um, it's great. Tom Taylor is um, he did a really long run of all uh, all new Wolverine X twenty three, Laura Kinney, and he blew up because of that because it's like fantastic it's our it's arguably like one of the best runs for wolverine right obviously it's not logan but it's the female wolverine and since then he's like done a lot of good stuff and he's been writing friendly neighborhood spider-man and friendly neighborhood spider-man uh the reason it's so special is the first issue of it peter uh peter's doing his own thing and it's directly opposed to aunt may going to the hospital and finding out that she has cancer so it's a turn of the tables of her hiding that from him, right? His whole life he's tried to hide Spider-Man from Aunt May, and it's her trying to hide that she has cancer from him. It's really good. Tom Taylor's like a very good writer. And this, I guarantee you by the end of this year when they start doing comics awards and stuff, he's going to clean up with that number six with the kid. So good. Um, Man, that one sounded a lot like uh, PS4 Spider-Man. Yeah, well, she – yeah, I guess. A spoiler for Spider-Man. PS4 Shiner, she actually doesn't die from cancer. She dies from, like, that right. mutagen, whatever the hell. Um, and it isn't like she's immediately dying. It's not like a Breaking Bad situation. Like, you have X amount of months to live. It's just like they're told, she was told, like, oh, you have cancer, you know. And it's just a really cool thing of her, seeing her hide something from Peter when his whole life he's hid something from her. It's really Man, cool. this is – I love Spider-Man lately. Even just you talking about that comic and such, like, one, is making me realize – the uh, those last those the Raimi movies, I thought I really liked them. That, I mean, they're kind of like the lower tier Spider-Man content nowadays. I feel yeah. like. Um, Homecoming was so good, and Insomniac Spider-Man was so good. I still have to see the uh, Spider-Verse one, but it, everyone seems to love that too. And it, I'm getting real hyped for uh, Homecoming now. So, far from home. Far from home. Yeah. Uh, and man, that trailer, it has spoilers for Endgame, but that one tells you the strings too. God. I've not Jesus. watched the trailer yet because I got to see, uh, since now I'm going to see Endgame, so I'm like, ah, I might as well just wait. 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a great trailer. Um, yeah, Spider Man's. I don't know if you remember me and Jordan had the argument on the podcast when I was saying that they don't hold up, and he was saying he thinks he does the the Raimi movies do hold up. I personally don't. Um, and yeah. we had that yeah. long discussion. Yeah. Um, it's it's very. I love those movies when they came out, but in retrospect, like they are kind of like hokey, you know. And Homecoming is so good. Uh, I watched Infinity War like 15 times, and personally for me, the end of the movie when Tom, uh, Tom Holland's Peter Parker is in Tony Stark's arms saying like he doesn't feel good and he doesn't want to go and he's sorry, like that stuff gets me, man, yeah. so much. Um, so, yeah, Spider-Man's good. We're in a good place with Spider-Man, which is great. Spider-Verse is really cool. I think you'd like it. It's, it's obviously Miles Morales, not Peter Parker, but it's a very well-paced, just – solid movie um that's it for spider-man talk this week uh <laughs> so let's get into quick we don't have a lot of quickie news we have two major reveals that happened this week we had the state of play from playstation and we had the ghost recon breakout reveal uh obviously we only knew that it was a ghost recon reveal and we later got the title but in terms of quickie news so one ea access is finally coming to ps4 uh, it's coming in july there was some discussion on the internet. Some people were kind of upset because it's going to be the same price as the Xbox version, um, but there's inherently less value in the service um, because, if you don't know, Xbox has backwards compatibility, which allows them to put right. the Mass Effect franchise, the Dead Space franchise, Skate, like all of their old games on the service alongside their other offerings for current-gen and new titles with their 10-hour free trial. PS4 doesn't have that. So when you're paying the same price, you're inherently getting less value because you don't have those. I am of the opinion that I necessarily wouldn't be mad at EA. I'd be mad at PlayStation because it's not EA's fault that backwards compatibility games aren't available. On top of that, EA is simply testing the market to see if people care or not. You know, They're going to put it out there, and if people really care, then they're not going to see the numbers move the way they thought they would. But if people subscribe to it, not even knowing about that stuff, you know, it's fine. You're making the same amount of money. So I don't necessarily have an issue with it. It's the normal EA train to jump on. I know some of it's justified. I get it. You are getting less value. But there is still a lot of value in EA access, especially with you can hop in for a month, pay 5 bucks, and get 10 hours of a game to try it out in case you want to buy it, right? So you can spend 5 bucks, try out Anthem, and figure out if you like it or not instead of spending 60 and regretting it. I think that's value, personally. Yeah, um, and you get you get their games early too on there, right? So. Well, that's it. You get you get games early if it's like Madden or sports titles or even yeah Anthem. You get it like a week early, but you also get the ten hour <clears> free <throat> trial. So it's like you get to try a game for ten hours and see if you like it or not. And there's also games from this current gen on there too, free to play. There's like Need for Speeds and the what's the yarn game? Uh, <laughs> Nobody ever knows, dude. It's just the yarn game. Bound? No. Unravel. Unravel. Uh, Plants vs. Zombies and all that stuff. So I'm glad it's finally coming to PS4. I don't have a huge issue with it. What about you? No, it's a super interesting thing because uh, I hadn't thought of that. And so, yeah, I saw someone pointed that out. Like, uh, even if you said, okay, there's all that other value that it's included with it. So maybe, like, those handful of, you know, last gen games account for, I don't know, 10% of the value of that service, we'll say. I don't know, I'm just making shit up, right? Obviously, it's subjective um, how much value it is. But, you know, should that mean that, yeah, it costs 10% less on PlayStation 
and who fronts that savings yeah is it ea or is it sony or like it, i don't know it's, it's an interesting thing when you can get the same service on xbox um for you know you're getting more for the same price so it's kind of you know why here's the thing it's five it's interesting it's five dollars a month and it's thirty dollars yeah, so for a year thirty dollars so for a year yeah, yeah that's like so it's like what are they gonna make it four dollars a month on playstation or something that almost sounds dumber you know yeah I it's like so ea releases a lot of games so even it's like if you pay thirty bucks for the year, even if it's you're you're spending five bucks to demo a game, that's six demos throughout the year. EA releases more than six games in a year, so it's like inherently just on that it has value. Plus, we're not even counting the discounts. If you're an EA Access member, you get discounts on EA games as well. So like you're saving money on the back end there too. I understand the argument. I think it's just people being hyperbolic as usual on the internet shocker i know it's such a small thing either way yeah. yeah it's not the fact that it's finally coming to ps4 is good because then that means that when it comes when ps5 and the new xbox come out e access will be on that from the start we assume anyways and because ps5 is backwards compatible you'll have access to the ps4 ea games right so yeah i don't think it's that big of an issue i'm just glad right, it finally right. came it's weird that it took so long uh, to come over to PS4, but as we've seen with PlayStation, they have a very walled garden approach to their services, and just in general to their their software as well. So, yeah, finally it came. Next one, uh, a Microsoft patent was recently found for an Xbox Braille controller. Uh, so they obviously did the adaptive controller, which is a huge hit for people around the world. Uh, there was a Super Super Bowl commercial, which was great. If you haven't seen it, definitely YouTube it and check it out. Um, yeah, it was. It's basically a controller that would uh, translate speech and game dialogue into Braille. Uh, and you know, people were joking like, "Why does somebody who's blind need to play video? How do they play video games?" People don't understand that. Like, I think it's like ninety percent of people who are blind aren't fully blind. They have some right, part right. of the the visual light spectrum that they can identify with. And you can be legally blind and still be able to see a certain percentage of things. Like, do you think that blind just means that you see darkness? That's not true. That's actually, like, a very small minority of the blind community. Um, and even then, it's like, if somebody wants to... Pl you can maybe have a single-player <laughs> game, plug in this into the second controller port, have them hold the Braille controller, and they can still understand what's going on. I don't know. It's well, it's funny, the question that, that, that you asked, right? Like... Well, how could someone who's blind play games anyway? What's the what's the point? Like, well, this this is how, right? Maybe <laughs> exactly. Maybe this isn't going to solve all the problems, and they're obviously not going to have the same experience as someone who is has fully functioning vision. But like, this is, if nothing else, a step in that direction to make it games more accessible, right? So like, yeah, and I don't I know mean, why you would have an objection to that at all. It's I don't know. We've seen Xbox and Microsoft's uh, focus the last, I would say, two or three years. Their mission statement is gaming is for everyone. We've heard Phil Spencer say that numerous times. It coincides with their streaming future of them wanting Xbox on all platforms. Um, you know, phone, tablet, everything. You can play games wherever. They want everybody to be able to join, uh, enjoy gaming. Um, obviously, from a business perspective, the more people you have playing, the more money you're making. But also from a social and cultural perspective, the more, you know, the more options you have out there for people the less they feel secluded from everyone else, you know, that super mode commercial is so great. It's a, you know, a kid using the adaptive controller to grow closer to his neighborhood friends who he can't really connect with because he plays games slower or differently. And the adaptive controller allows him to get closer. I don't know. It's a, it's a cool move. 
will this patent ever come to an actual product? Who knows? But it's cool that this has been in the works as at least mm-hmm. an idea. So yeah, they're trying something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because when I first read, I was like a Braille controller. Not that I was like, oh, what's the point? I was like, whoa. How does that work? It, it like triggered yeah. my mind. Yeah, I was like, whoa, that's very interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, good things, good things. Uh, talked a little bit about Xbox. Talked about PlayStation with EA Access. We're going to go back to PlayStation. The first news story, we had the second state of play. So the first one was in March. It was the one, what was the featured game for the March one? I know it was a lot of VR. What was the big thing? Was there a big thing? Yeah, I mean, Days there was gone. the Days Gone and like Mortal Kombat, which was Mortal Kombat new. was a big finisher. Yeah, yeah, dope but... trailer though, really good trailer. Um, obviously, people were mixed on that one. Uh, we weren't as hyperbolic as people. It was fine. Uh, I think I brought up the argument. I think it's just expectations. I think yeah. they did a way better job this time. Though one thing I will say, this isn't from my perspective. I'm just saying in terms of language. People read like a new game will be revealed, and obviously people's minds started racing towards like yeah. Yeah. a bunch of stuff. I assumed it wasn't going to be anything crazy because I don't think they would prop it that specific way. They said there's going to be an extended look at, at medieval, which is funny because I think we saw more of Monster Hunter World than we did of medieval. But um, there will be a new game, and then there will be t- it will be about ten minutes. I enjoyed it. I thought it was the the, the best state of play yet. That was very well paced. Um, yeah, it was. It, it met expectations uh, in terms of what they presented that they were going to do, so I thought it was good. Uh, before we hop into the actual content of it, do you have anything to say about it? No, no, I mean, yeah, it was, uh, they seemed, except for that one line of a new game, they, yeah, they kind of should have, at this point, read through the, the tea leaves there and realized, like, oh, yeah, people are going to, you know, get carried away with that and expect Horizon 2. Um, but otherwise, they set expectations really well. Um, in the blog post revealing it right yet only 10 minutes they specifically pointed out i thought was funny there's nothing new on next gen because obviously that had been talked about you know recently um yeah they wanted to make sure like no one got that idea in their heads that they were going to reveal ps5 at this thing so yeah yeah 10 minute thing like it's like 10 minutes yeah they're gonna reveal the ps5 um i would say out of the whole thing there was i'm going through my list there was seven things shown off I would say most of them were awesome. I would say two of them were a little weird, and they were towards the end, and we'll get to those when we do. First off, it kicked off with the uh, Monster Hunter World Iceborne expansion. Looks really cool. Part of me wants to get back into that game because I really enjoyed it. Remember when it came out? I was loving yeah, every moment of it. That's right. It's just like those those games of service type games. If you're not in it, if it's like a hassle to get back into it. Comes out in September, uh, which is like right between Control and uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, which we'll get to later. So it's like, I don't know if I'd want to jump into an expansion. We don't even know what major games coming out in September. There will be one, right? Something will drop in September. Oh, Borderlands. Uh, there is one. Yeah, but that's not, I'm not interested in that. There will probably be another game, too. Um, who knows? We'll see. Uh, they shoot off a new snow environment, which is cool. New monsters. There's like a giant like elk thing. There was like a snow shark um, and like this other legendary dragon, Vakana or something. I know like Monster Hunter diehards were losing their mind probably. Um, comes out September 6th. Uh, the cool thing is they're going to be releasing it standalone. Not standalone, but like you can purchase it if you already own the game. And if you don't own the game, there's going to be a $60 version that has the base game and this all in one, which is awesome. 
this is the best-selling game for Capcom in their history. It recently hit 14 million copies sold, which is crazy. Damn. Uh, yeah. I, Monster Hunter has been hugely popular in Japan. Never really found a strong audience here because of how obtuse it was, and it was mostly on mobile. They brought it to the West. They made it a console, big RPG experience, and people fell in love with it. It's awesome. It's really fun. Um, next up, they had River Bond, which is like an indie pixel art dungeon crawler, uh, releasing summer 2019. Excuse me. When I first saw this, Dom, I thought this was the game when they were like, a new game announcement. Right. I was like, oh, God. Not for me. I thought it looked like a fun game, but to like people who are like hyping up, like, oh, this isn't going to go over well. Um, looked neat. Had a bunch of crossover skins from Shovel Knight, uh, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, Enter the Gungeon, uh, a couple of others that I can't, uh, Bastion. Um, but yeah, it looks like a really neat little indie game. Nothing special there. Uh, felt very much like uh, 3D Dot Heroes on the PS3. I don't know if you ever checked out that game, Dom. Um, it was like an 8-bit Zelda type game. Yeah. Maybe not 8-bit, just pixel art. I don't think it was 8-bit specifically. Uh, the next game, this is the... I'd assume this is the game they were talking about in terms of showing off a new game because they announced a PS4 exclusive, uh, Predator Hunting Grounds. This is a asymmetric multiplayer game. It's going to be releasing in 2020. It's from Ilphonic. If you're not familiar with Ilphonic, they're the guys who did Friday the 13th. Um, the asymmetric Jason uh, Voorhees uh, a multiplayer game that came out. Had some bugs and people really yeah. fell in love with it. Yeah, the camp counselors and the, the slashing and all that. Yeah. People loved it. Had a lot of issues with online connections and stuff. I think with this being published by Sony, uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment flash on screen beforehand, so we know it's exclusive. Um, they're working hand-in-hand hand with Fox, which is cool, so maybe they have some really neat licensing things they can do with the game, bring in maybe characters throughout the Predator franchise, however they're going to do that. Uh, so essentially there's four hunters and one Predator. It's probably going to be kind of like the setup with the Friday the 13th game. For me, it doesn't interest me. I think the game is looks really cool for people who loved Friday the 13th and also love Predator. I'm just not into those like asymmetric games. I got burned enough with yeah. Evolve. Yeah, um, me too. But it did look cool. Like I'm happy for people who like those type of games. Uh, I, it's funny. I don't know if they intentionally did this. I always like to think of like maybe developers like to screw with fans, but they knew they were going to be in the state of play, Dom, and they start off with like a very uncharted looking thing. Because it's like the close-in on like the, the the Mayan pyramid. And it's just that. And you're like, what is this? Like Tomb Raider or like Uncharted? or And then it starts zooming out and it's like soldiers. And you're like, is this like SOCOM or Meg 2? Like what is this? And then they finally peel back to uh, the Predator on the tree. Really interesting reveal. Cool for people who love this type of game. I this We assume this is the game, right, that they were talking about. Because it is PlayStation published. This yeah, is the oh, a new I game. Think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think it looked fine. Once again, not super interested. Next up, this is the extended look we got. Uh, Medieval Remake, uh, releasing October 25th, 2019. So people who like this game, super great release date right before Halloween. Get your spookies on. For me, somebody who played Medieval, I didn't dislike it, but it was just like a game. This is probably the roughest remake I've seen between this Spyro and Crash. And I'm, like, not knocking the people who are doing the, the remake, but, like, Crash looked incredible. Spyro looked incredible. This still looked rough, you know? Um, 
we don't know how much budget they have we don't know like what their directive was in terms of upgrading it like do as minimal as possible because you know how much is medieval going to sell necessarily <laughs> you know and so do you want to put all of that love into it even though yeah i don't know i'll say i know this came up uh, a few weeks or months ago or whatever but i don't know anything about this original game medieval i don't even know what platform it was first on or, you know that kind of thing but when i was looking at you know when i saw the gameplay from this state of play i just assumed that that was the original <laughs> yeah and then it was gonna at some point you know cut switch you know, yeah. switch and be like oh look how much better it looks now but it never happened and then I, you know eventually i realized oh okay so that's what it looks like okay sure i don't i don't know i, I don't know anything about it <laughs> if this is more than 30 dollars, it's gonna really hurt them yeah. um if it's 30 dollars or less i think i could see some decent sales it just didn't look very good to me in terms of a polish up it just looked like I hate to say bare minimum because it makes it sound like I'm calling the developers lazy. That's not what I'm saying. It's just like it just doesn't look fully realized in the modern era. You know, I, I got to think there's like a like a really, you know, cult following for this game or something. And they're just going to be all over it. I hope. Um, I don't know. Yeah. If this ends up going on sale for like 10 bucks down the line, I'll definitely pick it up. 10, 15 bucks. But. Yeah, I ain't stepping near that thing. Cool release date, though. I'll give it props. I love when horror-type games come out around Halloween. You know? Oh, yeah. It's great. Definitely. Um, next up, this was a very weird game. Uh, so it was a Way the Survival series. This game started, uh, and it showed a sugar glider running around this world, uh, catching bugs, flying away from falcons, fighting a snake. And my assumption is, like, the whole game, you play as a sugar glider and you survive – but a way the survival series leads me to believe that you like switch between animals, but they never showed that. The entire trailer, you were a sugar glider, and it's all about you surviving the environment. Looked very, it looked fun, but very rough. Um, I, it doesn't look like the type of game that you'd maybe want to show at a at this kind of thing at the state of play. It reminds me of. Do you remember that game that they showed off at? Maybe it was PSX. Uh, where like you're a like a small creature and you eventually it's called like life or something. You're a small creature and they turn to a bigger creature and a bigger creature and then a bigger creature, or even that other game that was at the Game Awards where you're like the monkey that's trying to survive evolution. You remember that? No. You don't remember that? It was last year's Game Awards. It just it looks very rough, you know. Um, yeah, it seems and, like it needs to be baked a little more. Yeah, it, and I don't know if it's. It didn't seem like it was PlayStation exclusive. Uh, it just was a weird game. Like, it it just didn't... It didn't look bad or good. It just looked, like, incomplete or, like, rough. Uh, the concept's cool. Like, the, the idea of playing Prey and Predator and there's a food chain and you have to survive was cool. They just didn't clarify, like, do I play the entire game as a sugar glider? Do I, can I pick a different animal? Do I switch to different animals? They never made it clear. So it's like, why is the game called the Way the Survival Series if I'm just playing as a sugar glider? Doesn't make sense. Um, they didn't really communicate that well. Um, then the next thing that I think was odd. So before we start talking about this, there's two things in this that I felt didn't really feel cohesive throughout the entire state of play. One was a way. The second one was this Days of Play limited edition, still gray PS4 Slim. Oh yeah. Uh, it the console looks cool. Nothing against the console. They did all this build-up 
of like it was a really cool build up like sleek 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 and then it's just like a, a a jpeg image of the console and it's like you can buy this console for days of play it just felt very weird especially being at the end of the show like edited kind of weird exactly and in terms of pacing i for me i would love that to be at the beginning of the show like because you start with the ps4 startup hop right into that limited edition console right because people are going to like that. When you go towards the end of the show, people are expecting, as like we see this weird away game, we see Medieval not necessarily looking great. People are like, oh, the end of the show is going to be these really cool things. And for one of the two last things to be a console, not that it's bad. I think the console looks awesome. It just felt weird in the place of the show. And that's, I think, a speed bump they'll get through as they, this is their own, their second state of play. They did good on clarification before the show. I think this is another lesson in, hey, if we're doing a product, maybe put that towards the top of the show and get it out of the way instead of towards the end when people are waiting for the bigger reveals, right? Um, really cool console, though. I loved it. I love yeah, the black-on-black black yeah. look. It looks Beautiful. awesome. I love I love that logo with the you know the four buttons. Um, what do they call them? The sacred they... symbols. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, last week, we saw the Final Fantasy VII Remake. I know on plenty of podcasts, this is going to be a huge deal to people. Uh, I'm... I'm interested in final fantasy 7 remake i don't think either of us have an attachment to that game as as most other people do um it's i'm very interested in it obviously you showed a trailer for midgar which is the beginning area of the game we got clarification afterwards that the game's still going to be episodic which yikes hopefully uh those are timed well and paced well in terms of release because like man square enix could release episode one of a game and then you could wait seven years for episode two we just don't know what square enix they're all over the place like that you never know um one thing that people were talking about is the ui got revamped it looks different the combat looks a little bit more refined too um obviously we're coming off the hills of final fantasy 15 which is very mixed and kingdom hearts 3 which was mixed but positive but i think a lot of the issues people had was with the combat not necessarily feeling difficult or challenging we've talked about this for on our own podcast um this feels like a mix between them uh who who's to say how good it's gonna feel they ended the trailer saying that there's gonna be more in june people assume it'll be at the square enix conference obviously it would probably be at sony's conference if they had one i don't know i think out of the two major titles for square enix dom would you agree that avengers has a likelier chance to show up on xbox's stage than final fantasy 7 remake uh, yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. more sense. Especially towards Xbox's audience and everything. Um, yeah, what, like I said, I don't have a huge attachment to this game. I've talked to Jordan before about when this game gets a hard release date, I want to play through the original and then play this. But uh, yeah, I'm happy for people who are excited. I will be more excited when we actually have a window. <laughs> Square Enix games, man, I got to have a window. I can't just get super excited. Yeah. yeah, I mean it looks it looks really good um, stylistically and graphically. Um, it looks awesome, especially seeing some of the comparisons with the original. Yeah, um, obviously m- most things are going to look good compared to the original Final Fantasy VII. But um, yeah, this game it looks super nice. The character models look incredible. Um, but the the combat, I'm kind of with you. I'm like, I don't know. We'll see. You're gonna have to. This doesn't prove anything, you know, to me. I want to see what that combat's actually and the gameplay is actually going to look like some kind of, this was sort of like i don't know we'll see and then well, I, thing- but i'm and i'm with you on the release date too i'm like nothing none of this matters at all because like i we no one has much you know trust in square as far as when they say something's coming out and so when they say 
it's episodic, then you have even less trust in them. So, this might be a hot take, um, but Final Fantasy VII is a very old game, right? I think that these first couple of scenes we've seen for Final Fantasy VII Remake, the initial one at, I don't know if it was PSX or E3, and this one, they're playing towards the audience that already loves Final Fantasy VII, right? They're like, oh, this is the game I remember and it looks good. We haven't really gotten anything for the story. I'm somebody who's never played Final Fantasy VII. I know there's a lot of people (laughs) that haven't played Final Fantasy VII, they, their next trailer, to me, needs to be a story trailer selling me on the story. Because if the combat doesn't look like I'm completely sold on it, like you said, hook me with the story, you know? They're playing to an audience that already knows the story but wants to, to go through it again. They need to have something for the audience who's never played Final Fantasy VII. And Which I hope their is, marketing doesn't skew towards only the people they're trying to have played again, you know? Yeah, because, uh, yeah, I would I would assume they're aware of that fact that, yeah, there's a whole generation of people that didn't grow up with the original game. So if they want to sell more copies, then they better, better, you know, try to sell to those people too. <laughs> yeah. And it's, a, you know, it's like, oh, it's obvious. But as we've seen with companies, sometimes the obvious right. just doesn't happen for some reason or another. Anyways, let's get to... Now, one of my most anticipated games of the year. I'm super excited about this. Ghost Recon Breakpoint was revealed the same day as the PlayStation State of Play. Here's some information. I'm going to dump it on you. If you have any questions, just hop in. Dom, we're going to get through this, okay? We're going to make it. Uh, so it's an open-world game. Obviously, it does. a Ubisoft game. It's taking place on the island of Aroa. Um, hard name because I want to say Aurora every time I say it, but it's Aroa. Uh, so I'll explain the story setup real quick. So essentially, there was this tech billionaire named Jason Scale who worked for the government, and he created the self-driving car, a self-driving car. He created drones, and he very smart dude, technology company. Essentially, there comes a point where uh, the drones accidentally kill a politician, and the UN votes to eliminate them, like they're inhumane, right? Aroa is the island or archipelago where Skell has all of his his uh, facilities. After the UN decision is made, they lose complete contact with him. So, they send in the ghosts, right, to the top of the top. Go in there, infiltrate, get Skell, figure out what's going down because they've lost complete contact. What happens is when they get there and they're getting ready to land and be covert, they're attacked. Their plane goes down. Your leading character with some of his other companions are alive and instead of you being the hunter you're now the hunted and one of the major story beats is that you're not only dealing with scale technologies and his droids and all that stuff they've actually been compromised by another unit called the wolves which are former ghosts that have gone rogue right you're you're unsure if they're working with scale or if they're not they've adapted some of his drones to be kill drones and so it's this big massive island and you're fighting between different enemy factions. So there's the wolves, there's the scale tech stuff, and there's another group that I can't remember from the reveal that they talked about. I didn't write it down. So essentially you're fighting all of them. Um, and turns out that the leader of the wolves is John Bernthal's character, which we'll get to later. I'm stoked that he's the main antagonist, Cole Walker. The cool thing is the most recent free update for Wildlands, the previous Ghost Recon game, is a mission in which you play a story with Cole Walker. So essentially, that mission in Wildlands is a prequel to this game. 
you hmm. see him when he was still a ghost on the quote unquote good side. And Breakpoint, he's on, he's gone rogue, right? And in the story trailer, he's talking about everything that makes a ghost. And at the end, he's like, I'm a ghost too. Essentially, like, I know exactly who you are because I am you. Um, release date, October 4th, 2019. Great release date. Uh, I already talked about you're behind enemy lines. You're being hunted. Um, there's an emphasis on survival, stealth, and customization. So uh, in terms of stealth, you can move bodies, Hitman-esque, and hide them so you don't get found out. There's tons of customization op options for so your guns, your attachments. Let me, let me stop you. I want to ask one question. So this is, from everything I've gathered, a, a, this is a single-player open-world game. Uh, this is I'll get to that later this is okay. solo or fa four player co-op you can completely play it single player if you remember Wildlands was pitched as either solo or four player co-op I personally played through that entire game solo and loved it it plays as a solo game perfectly okay, cool, cool. it's not you can play Destiny alone and it's fine but it's not the same the, recon, the Ghost Recon games are different they're like yes you definitely can play solo um, there's a, a story. Like, I, I, just, I like the Destiny example because I, I, go, I still own Destiny too, and it's like, is it worth it playing, you know, alone? It's like, maybe, but you're not getting everything out of it you would if you were playing, you know, with people. You know, it's it's kind of like if there was someone dumb enough to like, you know, watch the sequel to Captain America and not watch the original one, you just wouldn't get as much <laughs> out of it. So yeah. Um, so there's an emphasis on stealth. There's an emphasis on survival. Uh, one of the cool mechanics in the game is that you can get hurt. So if you get shot, you get you can get injured, and there's varying levels of injury. So there's, like, one where you're, like, kind of hurt and you're hobbling a little bit. There's one where, like, your, you, your leg is injured. Like, your leg is shot, and you can't use your leg anymore, so you're dragging your leg behind you. And there's another uh, level where you can get injured where you can't move at all. There's obviously items in the game to heal you, bandages and syringes and all that stuff, but you can be in a firefight and get hurt and it completely changes your strategy and it's really Man. cool. So they've been doing that in Fallout since as long as I can remember and I've been surprised that we've not seen that kind of thing in more games, right? Because um, it kind of, it, it makes sense, right? Obviously, like too many games are, you know, you just get shot and, you know, your health regenerates automatically or a health pack and like, it, you're just, your whole body was fixed somehow but I like, yeah, I this is a, such a cool uh, part of gameplay where it's like, you know, that's, particular limb or whatever it is is actually injured and you have to deal with that uh, the repercussions of that you know specifically that's really cool so that's cool to hear that it's in this one well the fact that it's third person like the visual feedback of it is crazy and you actually I, I would argue that it has more impact in this game than in Fallout because you're in third person right I could see that um, it was kind of it was kind of wonky in Fallout you know a lot yeah. of the time anyway so as yeah, most things are ha 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 the right. Bethesda yeah. jokes yeah um but it's, it's a really cool mechanic to have in a game. Uh, like we talked about earlier, it is solo and co-op. Um, they're both viable and suggested. Through the whole discussion, the only thing that will require you to play with three other people is a raid that will be coming later. Um, and the way they talked about it, they made sure, in my opinion, they were talking about how it's different than like a raid in The Division or uh, Destiny 2 where... It's, it's definitely more of a contained experience. Um, it takes place on an active volcano, and they showed, like, teases of it. And it looks super dope. Um, and that's not at launch. That's, like, way down the road. But that's literally the only – they said you, that thing, you can't play solo. You have to play with four people. Literally everything else, they're like, oh, yeah, it's 100% solo. 
like I said, I personally have experience with Wildlands, and I played through it solo, and it was awesome. Love that game. Wasn't a great game. It was a very solid, good game. I think this has the opportunity to be great with all of the stuff they've learned. A lot of the mechanics they've introduced, they said they got community feedback for. Um, they announced that there's going to be four major expansions all coming four months apart. So four months after the release of this game, you get the first one. Four months after that, four months after that. Um, there's PvP in this game as well. 4v4 PvP. Um, completely separate from the open world game. Um, but there's shared progression through all versions of the game. So you don't have to worry about... Hey, I didn't spend time in this. Like, say I play all PvP, right? I'm really into that, and you play the single player, Dom. The time you invested in single player will transfer over to multiplayer. You don't have to like retread the steps of like upgrading your your tools and upgrading your your uh, your weapons and all that stuff. It's all cross progression, which is great. Um, there's four main classes at launch. From what I saw, it's the main like uh, jack of all trades type character, right? There's the sniper class. There's a, a female character who seems like she's more stealth oriented in melee combat. And then there's a guy who's more explosives and uh, like C4 and stuff like that. Your typical like uh, archetypes for characters. Uh, one of the th cool things with stealth that I didn't mention earlier is there's a tool you can use to cut through fences and get through. And it seems like it works on all fences. It's not like this is the fence cutting area as you see in some games. Um, and you can use that tool to your disposal. There's obviously a drone you can throw up. There's tons of different tools. Um, the bivouac. So the bivouac is a campsite, Dom. It's kind of like Red Dead's campsite, but not necessarily. So these are set places where you can set up a bivouac. So you can't just set up a camp everywhere. And it's the place where you change character classes, put different attachments on your guns. Um, if you're out of health items, you can heal there if you choose to rest. Uh, it's also the hub where like all of you if you're playing co-op. It's where all of you gather at It's just kind of like a campsite right like a hub um, To me it seems like you're not gonna have a because of the story of you getting thrown into this island where you're unfamiliar with everything You're not gonna have a base of operations, right? So I think the bivouac acts as that they're these differing um, Mobile hubs that you have throughout the world um, What else here? I talked about there's a variety of environments. Uh, from what we saw in the trailer, there's like a foresty area, there's a swamp, there's a deserty area, there's a beach area, there's the active volcano, there's like lush forests. It's it's really impressive the differing environments they have in this game. One thing I didn't talk about, Dom, uh, one of the stealth mechanics is, and I think it's going to work with water and other parts of nature is he was laying in the mud and there was these soldiers coming up behind him and he got the message like hey you have some soldiers coming up behind you patrolling he's laying in the mud and he does a, a prone stealth mechanic where he turns to the side and covers his entire body in mud and you go camo and you hide in it so they're really cool stealth nice. options yeah um yeah re really really awesome it, it seems like it's gonna give you a variety of ways to play the game which i'm happy about the difference with this and Wildlands. Wildlands was completely a power fantasy. It was you're in this country, you're the most skilled gun uh, gunfighter in this area. A lot of these guys are like hired mobsters and drug dealers. You're just going through and wiping house with everyone, right? Really a strong power fantasy vibe. This one is turning that on its head. 
I think the whole theme of the game is that you're being hunted, you're in unfamiliar territory, you're you're constantly fighting. Uh, one of the things they said is that the AI's improved from the last game where if AI notices you, they're not just going to like bumbly walk over to a tree in the middle of the forest by themselves. They'll actually group up with other AI and form a search party for you and it's a lot more intelligent, uh, which is really cool. And they also said that um, there's search parties throughout the world. So it's not you're not just going to find enemies at specific static areas, right? There's like patrol uh, enemies that are going around the world and they could be simple like soldiers like militia they it could be a pack of wolves which are the former ghosts um, it's interesting to see how that's going to play out if it's like you've played so many RPGs too Dom usually in g games with big open worlds like oh this is a section of the map where there's the more difficult enemies this is a section of the map where there's more like lower level enemies I wonder if it's going to be where there's just patrols of varying difficulties or if it is the typical, this section is where there's easier patrol units, you know. This section is where there's a little bit more difficult. Who knows? Um, I already mentioned cross-progression, PvP, raid. already talked about the stealth. Um, one thing that people were worried about is they were worried that this was going to turn into another Ubisoft game that becomes an RPG, a la Assassin's Creed, right? And the game director was clearly asked this question. He's like, is this another Ubisoft game that's becoming an RPG? Is it going to be bullet sponges and everything? He's like, no, this is a military shooter. If you shoot somebody in the head, they die. <laughs> um, it sounds and, so weird that that has to be said. And there isn't a whole lot of RPG mechanics in this game, it seems like. This isn't something where you're leveling up your character. It's you're fine-tuning your guns and finding things that work for you, right? Maybe you'll upgrade maybe not upgrade but find tools and stuff like that but they never once like showed rp like whenever they showcase an rpg game they always make sure to go to the menu and show you the upgrade tree right that's like a staple of like a reveal of an rpg they didn't mention anything like that they didn't do anything like that i don't think that exists in this game um ghost recon breakpoint went from a game that didn't exist two days ago to this being one of my most anticipated games this fall Obviously, there's not a lot of games we know about coming out this fall, but with this and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, I'm super stoked. This has the edge on Fallen Order simply because we've seen actual gameplay for this game. Right, right. Once we see Fallen Order gameplay, I think that'll skyrocket to number one. This is a very impressive reveal, Dom. I, if you're itching for an open-world single-player game, I think this will hit the nail on the head. Like It looks awesome. Yeah, no, this is cool. I'm I'm impressed that I mean it leaked like what a day or two before the some reveal. of the details yeah John Bernthal being the the main antagonist and it being called Breakpoint yeah and it almost felt like an intentional leak kind of a, it was like on their store or something <laughs> anyway yeah. it's cool that it's like yeah oh yeah here's this game um and it looks as good as it does and it comes out in a couple of months like I don't know I think this is an awesome like the reveal itself like you talked about like it looked good the the gameplay looked cool but then the way they did it um I think was really cool too. I don't know if I'm gonna be in on it like right away, but yeah. um, it's just not I'm not in like the I don't know realistic military shooter kind of feel lately. But who knows by then either? Um, by October, by who knows? Right, exactly. <laughs> you just, never know. At the moment, I'm like watching the gameplay. Like, yeah, this looks like a better version of Wildlands or something. I don't know. It looks cool, but I'm just. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's I'm like I don't know. It, it looks cool. 
the the great thing with the release date of October fourth is, in almost every way, it's the direct opposite of Borderlands three, right? So like, there's the Borderlands True. three audience, and then there's the this audience, and uh, you know, people can be interested in both. There's nothing wrong with that. I think Jordan would probably be one of those people that's interested in both because. Jordan loves Borderlands, and he also played Wildlands, right? I don't think he beat it, but I remember him playing it. I think he got it uh, later in the year that year, and he had picked it up and played it a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm stoked. Uh, I can't wait. We're So apparently we're going to learn more about specifically John Bernthal's character, Cole Walker, at E3. Um, they said they're going to do PvP at Gamescom, and at E3 it's going to be more about the backstory of uh, John Bernthal's character and probably your main character. Um but man, it took this long for somebody to cast John Bernthal as a villain in a video game. Like, oh man, between Shane and Frank Castle, like you you might not get this because you don't watch Punisher, Dom. But like, he the one the main bad guy in, in Punisher is Billy Russo, the guy who becomes Jigsaw. So like, there's a meme of him going Russo, like yelling for him. So people were like posting pictures of his reveal on the trailer and posting Russo. It was really funny. Nice, um, nice. Also, shout out to the Wolves costumes. They look like Metal Gear-esque. Like, their outfits look so badass. Like, they're standing there and they just look like... They look like Metal Gear characters. Uh, so, shout out to the influence because they're probably not getting another Metal Gear Solid game yeah. for a while, if not ever. Um, yeah, I'm just really excited about it. I love... And we're going to get this with E3, Dom. I love that in the span of 15 minutes, you could not know about something and immediately be super excited about it. Yeah, it exactly. Just, yeah. It's awesome. Like with movies, with video games. Movies, we, we had a personal chat about this, how movies tend to talk about themselves way too early, two years, three oh, years, yeah. four years in advance. With video games, it sucks that so much of the stuff is private, but in a way it's great because we do get these things where, you know, 15 minutes into a reveal, I'm excited for Breakpoint, and an hour before that, I didn't even know the game existed, which right. is really awesome. Plus, then and, we don't have to, you know, hear about all the shit that doesn't work out and, like, stuff that gets canceled or whatever it's like i don't know sometimes it's like we probably never should have known that that was a thing exactly and the beauty of gaming in 2019 is we're getting this game in five months i don't right. imagine all the people that saw the final fantasy 7 remake reveal and are still waiting yeah I, this Oof. is a game i'm not trying to you know c- compare them necessarily exactly but like there's a game i'm excited about that got announced that i'm getting in five months that's awesome that's yeah. really cool it's so simple, but so beautiful. Like, oh, so awesome. <laughs> I can't wait. Anyways, let's hop into what, we've been, what we're going to be... I was about to say what we've been playing. We already did that, Jared. Uh, what we're going to be playing, finishing Sekiro. Uh, Dom, in terms of me getting to the Divine Dragon, am I close or far from where I said I was? Well, like any From Software game, that's a question that has conditions, right? So you're geographically extremely close but depending on how many uh the the part you're about to go at can be difficult um depending on how you do it and it might take you several tries or Uh, 20 or 30 tries really (laughs) quick uh, i have two questions for you regarding Sekiro. up to the point i'm at so excluding the divine dragon because i have no base of experience with it who was your favorite boss up until that point and who was your hardest boss up until that point hands down hardest boss of any from software game i've ever played is in this and it's the the second time you fight this is spoilers technically so actually i don't know if i should say it whatever um you've okay 
So you already made the choice. I already know because you're at. I already fought Wolf once. I know he fought him twice. You accidentally spoiled that in the group chat, but like I didn't. It's no biggie. It's whatever. I assumed you'd probably fight him again. And it's actually, I'll actually stop myself there. I won't tell you the conditions (laughs) and under which you fight him again because that's yeah. It's not what you think, maybe, or maybe anyway. Yeah, you fight him again. Hardest boss fight of any Souls game ever. Just or any From game. It 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 was absurd. Like I, I must have tried fifty times. I was like going starting to like lose my mind actually um like i felt like i was just kind of like toying with the edge of sanity there for a while shout out to the first time you fight him complete shock to me and surprise that he showed up again i was like oh hell yeah yeah um yeah the first time yeah i was actually like it was really easy for me i think i think it was like two or three tries and i took him down he, so that it was... took me a couple of tries to learn his mechanics because, like, the, the anti-heal thing. And then yeah. uh, once you know he does the double double ninja star, like, straight down attack, it's, like, super simple. Yeah, it gets easy quick. That that first one was the one that uh, – it's easy to learn those patterns. But um, the second time, man, it's just the simplest, like, attacks, like, take down – and I've played through the entire game having, like, pretty much maxed out health bar. Like, I have, like, every prayer bead you can get and so on. But, like, his attacks just, like, would just drain your whole health bar almost every time. Um, and that was super frustrating. And it was just so much faster. And the nuance between which attacks he was going to use were so small. So small. So it was super hard to, to read him. Um, but that's definitely the hardest. Um, Who's your favorite my, boss up until the point I'm at? Uh, that, that, he might also be my favorite. Um, one move I felt was cheap. And I but that was just mo- probably mostly out of frustration looking back he might still be my favorite if if not him then definitely uh genichiro because um, that one i spent a lot of a lot of effort trying to beat him but um every time i felt like i was i learned a little bit and got a little bit better each time and it was always fun like it, like you know there was even as fresh it never got like super frustrating it was always fun it was always like oh yeah i just gotta get right back in and now i know that when he you know leans that way then i know to, to go this way whatever it is right um that was like the most fun i think so far was the uh, fighting genichiro so my favorite boss fight is guardian ape i, oh, I love that yeah. boss so much that one was awesome too yeah. uh hardest i mean i guarantee it's going to be somebody i haven't fought yet i.e owl fight number two divine dragon something right um I'm not. The game hasn't been easy up until this point. It's just like no one's been w- way more difficult than others. You know, it's kind of like a varying scale. If I had to choose, I would probably say Genichiro because he technically took me the most attempts. But I, I guess it's like with with bosses, especially with Souls boss. Like the moment you beat them, you're like, well, now that I know my strategy, it's not that hard. You know, <laughs> you're yeah, like you yeah. give yourself confidence, and I would surprise Your perspective say Genichiro. Changes. Yeah. I'd probably say Genichiro. Once again, I haven't fought Owl number two yet, so it'll probably be him. Uh, you also don't have to, by the way. Um, in fact, damn, dude, there's so much I can't say because I'll, I'll just say if you want to make sure that you fight every boss that is possible, even the optional ones, then you may want to consult a guide. Question. But you're going to spoil stuff for yourself if you do that, like, yeah. most likely. So it's Question. <laughs> Two questions real quick, and then we'll get to what you're going to be playing so we don't go too long on the podcast. One, is the point of no return very obvious? Or have you no, not reached there's, it yet? There's not 
Well, there's a definitive end to the game. Yeah. You choose New Game Plus. Okay, so yeah, there's definitely... I, I know that there's going to be a point where you explicitly choose to go into New Game Plus, but there are... So we've talked about how, like, in Ashina Castle, there's, you know, different things that happen there after you beat certain yeah. bosses. Though there's, you know, each of those is... I already told you, actually, the, the second one earlier is when you beat the Divine Dragon. So there are things that, you know, once you do that, you move into a different stage, and certain things are no longer accessible. Um, gotcha. Each of those times. And then I think the same thing happens after you beat the final boss, where there's... You're kind of in the end game, but then you can you can still you know mosey around after that um, before choosing new game plus kind of a thing. So two quick questions: kind of. A, how did you make a, a separate save? Um, I don't know how you do it on Xbox, but on PlayStation, you uh, you can upload saves to the cloud. Um, so you kind of well, normally all your games will automatically upload and just kind of have a backup in the cloud. So you, have you to just like, copy it. Yeah. So what you want to do is for. A specific game you want to turn off you know the automatic cloud syncing and then um then you can manually take a save and push it up to the cloud and then later on you could pull it back down and overwrite your existing one or you just plug a usb drive into the playstation and then you can copy saves onto that manually too Got it. so yeah um, i know there's a way to do it on xbox but i'm not familiar with it uh is there an achievement tied to beating the owl the second time yeah, yeah, all the bosses, like the well, like specifically an achievement for him, not like beat all the bosses. Yeah, definitely because then um, I'll probably you, try fighting him again. Yeah, because you need. Uh, I think there's an achievement for beating him, and then you have to fight him to get a certain ending, and there's an achievement for that too. So got it. Um, what are you gonna be playing? Finishing Sekiro. Yeah, hopefully by next week I'm done with Sekiro, and we were recently treated to what remains of Edith Finch on PS Plus. Um, and I've been hearing a lot of good things about that, and it's supposed to be pretty short too. So I'm gonna definitely get into that as a palate cleanser, because next on the list is a little game, just a wee little game called Red Dead Redemption Two that I started and then skipped. And now oh, I'm yeah. finally gonna go back. So yeah. If if or when you start What Remains of Edith Finch, tell me because I have it on Game Pass now too. It'd be really cool to, for since it's not that long. I might want to play through it at the same time you do, and then we can both talk about it. So, we should, yeah. yeah. I'll, so all the when I'm literally starting it, I'll yeah, I'll send the message across. Like, by the way, <laughs> by the way, starting it up. Yeah, uh, is that everything? That is it. Yep. Oh, last thing, I'm gonna go watch Detective Pikachu. Really stoked. It's getting oh, nice. good reviews. Yeah. So I'm I'm super happy about that. I can't wait to go watch it. Man, I kind of want to. I probably won't see it in theaters, but I'll definitely uh, take it. It'll hit Netflix or something, or I'll rent it later on. But it, I, I'm glad it. It's a cool thing, man. I'm glad it. People like it. It's kind of cool. Apparently, Legendary stated that like if this movie does well enough at the box office, which I'm assuming it's going to do because it's Pokemon, that uh, they're interested in doing uh, a, a movie about the Pokemon Red and Blue. That could be which, cool. I would be so in for. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, not necessarily Ash from the anime cartoon, but uh, Red story from Red and Blue. Right? They probably might just call him Ash to make it easier or whatever. But it'll be that specific storyline from the games. So awesome! Potential for uh, Pokemon Cinematic Universe, the PCU. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Episode one forty six next week. Jordan should be back. Um, we're gearing up for E3. Going to be recording with some guests in the coming weeks, so tune in for that as well. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye.